Ignite Impact Podcast. I am Tracy Purdy, and I believe that people are placed into our lives at every step in our life journey to be an integral part of our story. Here on the podcast, we will talk with individuals who have influenced me, helped me grow, nurtured me, inspired me, transformed my thinking, and enriched my life, and will do the same for you. We will be covering a variety of subjects, so stay tuned to be inspired and encouraged. Today's guest is the amazing Tammy Verano, mom to Micah and Nate, wife to Pastor Scott Verano, and is the director of worship and production at Community Life Church in Gulf Breeze, Florida. She is also on the board of trustees for Project Hope Worldwide. I am so excited to dive into Tammy's heart behind the worship and hear more about her trials and amazing encouragement. Thank you so much, Tammy, for joining us today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you, Tracy Purdy. So I think we initially met probably for the first time over 10 years ago when I was helping serve with worship at a different church campus, and we would like occasionally get together for worship nights. And I so looked forward to getting to know you and getting to experience you through that worship time. Now, would you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your background? You're from Oklahoma, right? I am. And you've been here for like how long? Well, so I'm an Okie. And so for people (laughs) from Oklahoma, they'll know exactly what that means. Uh I've been in Florida for 30 years after I got my A degree in music in Kansas, moved back home, then moved to a Bible college in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then from South Carolina, I moved to Orlando, and that's where I met oh, Scott, Okay, had both of the kids. We were there for a while, and then been here in Gulf Breeze since 2006, so been oh, here wow. for 17 years now. You consider it home now? Uh, oh, yes, absolutely, yeah, it's for been sure. Long enough. It's uh, Yeah, it's 30 years, so it's definitely home. Once your children are born somewhere, and that's kind of where they grow up, it kind of becomes... Everyone's home. Every, yeah, yeah, everybody's home where they would where they would come back to. Tell us a little bit about your family growing up and your upbringing. So I was raised in a Christian home. My mom always tells the story that just a few days after I got out of the hospital, we went to church and she put me on a blanket right next to the pew. Oh wow! And that's kind of where we grew up. Um, small country church, Pentecostal church, next to my great grandmother's house. Literally, she was like, you could throw a rock really? to her house. And then right down the street, my other grandma, and we were all involved. My upbringing was really school and church. That's mm. where I spent most of my time. I mean, if the doors were open, right, we were there. Wow. Um, everybody played a role being a small church. My mom was Sunday school teacher. My grandma was Sunday school teacher. Later, actually pastored the church. Oh, wow. My Yeah, my dad, a uh, musician, my aunt, musician. So just kind of grew up around not only musicians, but ministry in general. And it definitely played a role in my life in mm-hmm. like the reason that I found ministry, like who, who I am today. Oh, that's so cool. So wh- if you have never had the pleasure of listening to Tammy sing... You can go to the website and listen, (laughs) and I'm sure there are so many other things out there, but you have one of the most incredible voices that I think I've ever had the opportunity to work with. You truly have such an amazing gift. Where did you learn that you had such a gift as a child, 
And what has been one of the most interesting performance opportunities okay. that you've had with vocal and or music? So I was brought up, like I said, in a ministry home and family, very musical. Mm -hmm. I would say at the age when I actually recognized that I had that gift, it wasn't till later. I went through some really dark times of depression mm. and some real, real deep painful things at the age of 15. So I remember praying and just crying out to God and saying, if you would give me something to use that I could have purpose with, I would use it for you for the rest of my life. Wow. It was not long after that my dad asked me if I wanted to sing a duet with him. Mm -hmm. So we started singing. Like he at bought, church? Yeah, at church. Okay. And I mean, I sang, but not solos like right. that, you know. Right. And so we sang our first duet together, and people loved it. They're like, oh, let's, she needs to sing solos. Mm -hmm. So I had one, and this is really going to tell you how old I am, <laughs> but I, I had one soundtrack. Okay. And it was all I had. It was called I Couldn't Make It Without Him. And every time anybody asked me to sing, it was the only thing I could sing till finally people got so tired of hearing that same, <laughs> same song. song. Yeah, I would just bring that one little <laughs> yeah. pathetic soundtrack. <laughs> so when I turned 16, we actually made, I, I got to do my first recording at 16 oh, years wow. old. And we called it I Couldn't Make It Without Him. <laughs> so somewhere there's a soundtrack out there floating around with it. But everybody got so tired of that one song. They were, But singing rescued me in so mm. many ways because I was going through such a dark time mm. of insecurity and had been through some some trauma I just poured my whole heart into singing and when I realized that I was actually good at, at it and I had a gift for it that was just all I wanted to do um, wow. but it really did save me because it gave me a purpose it mm -hmm. connected me to God my my relationship with him began to grow and then something that I could call my own so right. all of those insecurities and fears and the trauma that I was feeling, I was able to just put that all into my music. Right. Pour your focus into yeah, something for else. Sure. Now, I've heard, I have not heard this from you. Maybe I did hear this from you. Have, did, have you had the opportunity to sing with a famous? Well, not with. Okay. I have had really a lot of super cool, fun things. One time um, when I was 33 years old, we had a chance to go on a mission trip to um, Nigeria. But this this one experience in Nigeria, it was my pastor's wife, who's one of my mentors, Janice, Dr. Janice Smith. She's amazing. And her son, Jeff Smith. The three of us sang really great together. We sang, all, you know, together at church all the time. But we had one specific song that was kind of like our, our key yeah, like your go-to. Yeah, like our go-to. And it was He Leadeth Me, this hymn. Mm -hmm. So we're over in Nigeria, and we were asked to go and sing for a king. What? Yes. Oh. In a village. Okay. So they take us by van and they're like, okay, you're going to go in. You don't talk to anybody. You're going to go sit on the right. And it literally looked like a courtroom when oh, we walked gosh. in. Okay. They had like benches on the right and benches on the left. His council was all in, you know, their oh, robes word. and things on the left. There's this big throne in the center and we go in and we sit down and he comes out and his guard who's got a spear okay. and ev okay. everything. So like this is really happening. You know, okay. this is not like make believe. This yeah. is for real. And so we, the interpreter told us it was our time to go forward. So we go up and I just remember thinking, I don't know if he knows God or not. 
but I want to make him feel bad oh, yeah. after this moment. Right. Like, even if he doesn't know what this song is about, mm-hmm. I want him to experience feel. that presence of God. And we sang our hearts out. And it was so silent when we got done singing. And then he said something, and he started smiling and clapping and thanking us. Wow. Yeah, and he may not have known what it was, right. but he apparently liked it. He tried to offer us money for singing Oh, for my him. goodness. But it was just, we, we even had to back out. We weren't allowed to turn around and leave. We had to, like, back out. Wow. So just, I mean, it's what a long story experience. to say. Yeah. So um, we've been speaking about your voice, and I know that that is such a huge part of who you are and what you do in this world and in our community. And I know over the past, you've struggled with Mm -hmm. vocal nodules along with some other issues with your vocal cords. You've even had surgeries that have caused you to go on vocal rest for months at a time. I cannot even (laughs) imagine how have those challenges Mm -hmm. affected what I'm sure for you feels like so much of your identity and what you do, how did you overcome those challenges? I have had vocal challenges since I was 18 years old. 18, Mm -hmm. wow. I started singing, you know, at 15, 16 years old, but because I didn't have any professional training and Southern gospel music Mm -hmm. is all pushed from the throat, by the time I was 18 years old and I went to college, right out of the gate I was put on probation and had to go to the doctor, found nodules. I had made it with a music scholarship and was put on a music traveling team and immediately had to sit on the bench, so to speak, had nodules, Mm -hmm. you know, they were small enough that vocal rest, but it was six weeks, first time in college, eight hours away from home for the very first time that on this team that I was so excited to be on and then couldn't really even get to know them right? because, because of that, they ended up letting me stay on the team, keep my scholarship and I just helped with audio. Mm-hmm. And then they handed me a drum machine. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is going to be new. I guess but I'll figure out some sure, rhythm. <laughs> why not? Let's try this. Multiple times I've been on vocal rests from anywhere from three days, six weeks to three months. Very challenging, especially after having the kids oh, just bet. trying to communicate and know that you need to be silent, you know, in order to heal. Mm-hmm. For me, those challenges helped me to rely on God and not my talent. Mm, I've oh, had I've had to really say, okay, I, I know this is my gifting, but I cannot do this without him. It belongs to him. I just always go back to, God, this gift belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And if this is, if this is a way that you're using this challenge in my life to, to keep me focused me and mm. to keep me centered, and to always remember that I wouldn't have this gift if it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. It's yours. It doesn't belong to me. And so that's just what I, I have to kind of keep going back to every time I, I face challenges right. like that. I, so during those times where you've had to take those breaks, has it forced you to think more about your identity? And I know so much of your world, but has it forced you to think like, I'm so much more than that. (laughs) Absolutely. And how do I pour into that side of things? If I can't do this right now. I I was going to say, you know, I I said a little earlier that singing saved me. But unfortunately, in saving me, it also caused singing to be my identity. The same thing that rescued me and gave me a place of safety also made me very vulnerable when I would 
have those those challenges and so I really had to learn to trust God mm-hmm. to let go um, I mean I guess it kept me grounded sure, in so many yeah. in so many ways because it was my identity I would walk into a room mm-hmm. and the only thing I knew to do was to somehow make sure people knew mm-hmm. I had this amazing gift oh wow I felt like they wouldn't notice me without it I was so insecure in hmm. and had not grown in, in the outside others of that. outside of that, that it's the only thing I knew to go to. And so if we could somehow either work that into a conversation right. or if they figured out that I sang or how long I'd been doing it or that in itself would give me um, the attention right. in that moment that I, that I needed. And so it really took me well into my 40s. I would say, yeah, it really did. I mean, in my 30s, I I knew, I mean, I grew along the way. It's not that I didn't grow, but just to really completely be vulnerable, like I still deal with insecurities to this day Mm. and how I've grown when I, when I finally realized that I was aging Mm. and my voice was changing and the challenges weren't getting any easier. Sure. Then I started to say, okay, who is Tammy? Right. And. I'm not just a singer, like singing, if you think about my job, so being the director of worship, um, there's 38 hours in a week that I'm not singing, Singing. right, (laughs) you know, there might be two or three, there's so much more, and so who is that person, Mm -hmm. what is she called to do, well, the bottom line for me is I'm called to use whatever gifts God has given me to point people to Jesus, yes, music, and my giftings are one of them, mm-hmm. but it's not all of who I am. I wished I knew it earlier, but I know I wasn't ready right. for that in sure. my life at the time. But just knowing what I know now and the track that I'm on for healing in my life, just understanding that I am enough if I don't even open up my mouth and speak. Right. Yes. And I'm valuable yeah. and I'm, um, mm-hmm. I hold worth. He loves me. Right. He has a plan and a purpose. And even if something in my life changes, like my talent, right, then he'll open another door. And mm-hmm. there'll be another opportunity for God to, to use me in whatever whatever way that it's his. Right. Those giftings belong to him anyway. Tr- leaning into that and just realizing who I am, that's, that's probably been, been the hardest part of this journey. Sure. It's just trying to rest in who is Tammy and in being secure in who God, who I am as an individual yeah. and that God loves me, whether I sing or not, that that is not tied to that. Right. Oh, I love that so much. When did you get a calling or a prompting that you were supposed to do something with music, like more in a ministry aspect? And when you figured that out, did you face any opposition when you were pursuing that side of your ministry. So really the challenges that came for me in pursuing were the vocal challenges. I knew that at 15 and and 16, like right when I started singing, I realized how much it blessed people Mm -hmm. and how much I loved it. And then my dad asked me, Tammy, do you want a car at 16 or do you want to record an album? And I just knew immediately, no, I'll wait on the car. I'd rather record an album because I know this is what God's called me to do. So I knew really, really early, but it wasn't until a little later that I realized 
he's called all of us. Sure. First of all, right. to, to, to be ministers of the gospel, right. Mm-hmm. And use what he, what the he's skipping. given us mm-hmm. to, to point people to Jesus. But for me, I, it took me some time to figure out singing and playing piano. That's just one tool right. of this bigger, broader picture of who God's called me to be. All of that really started coming in my early twenties Okay, when I leaned into Bible college. Right. I was oh, just okay. like an assistant sure, and really learned about preaching and how much I loved the word and what did that mean for my calling right. um, from there moved to Florida where I was able to, to be a part in their youth ministry as well and kind of grow from there. They put me on the worship team and there were times that I would lead and I got to experience what did it mean? Not just singing, right. but actually leading mm-hmm. and the responsibility and the accountability that came with that. Have you seen... Since you've been in ministry for so long, have you seen how the church has changed in the worship pastor role? And have you noticed a change in that? Or um, Yes. Just from what I've seen and being in it 39 years now, yeah. every 8 to 10 years, it seems like God is moving and Shifting. he's always moving. Right. But something shifts. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but the music style kind of changes, the direction of how worship feels changes, even though stylistically it changes, the heart of what it is doesn't change. Right. The goal, whether you're singing a hymn mm-hmm. or an old worship song, what we count old, because what we say as older now, 30 years ago, was modern. Right. It was like, what are these kids doing? What are they singing? And <laughs> that was, you know, like... Yeah. When Hosanna, you know, when that first came out, it's like, what, what, where, what are they doing? Right. So that is always going to change. It's not about the music. Mm-hmm. It's more about the message behind right. the music. Right. And the heart is, is the worship that you're singing pointing people to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Is it based on the word? Worship in general, the heart of worship is mm-hmm. pointing people to Jesus, right? right? Because worship, it's not just singing and music, but when relating to music. So as a team, and you're on our worship team, yes. you play keys and sing with us sometimes, and I love that. We are there not performing. Right. We are there worshiping and honoring God, challenging or inspiring or encouraging others to do that with us in that moment. Mm-hmm. So the lyrics or the style, that can change mm-hmm. as long as the goal is that we're all praising him and we're all lifting up the name of Jesus. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So you were talking about the heart of worship. Mm-hmm. So there are three main Hebrew words used in the Old Testament for worship. Those three words, which are regularly translated as worship in English versions of the Bible, are submission, service, mm-hmm. and reverence. I see worship as an act of love, and the great thing about it is that no two people express love in the same way, and there's so much power in that, I think. So, in Tammy terms, (laughs) what are three words that you would use to describe what worship is? I'm I'm really so glad that you kind of gave me a heads up on this question. (laughs) I have to be honest because that's changed for me over the years. Oh, interesting. In the beginning, if you said worship, my brain would automatically go to doing what we do on a Sunday morning where Mm -hmm. we're all singing and praising together. But worship is so much broader than that. Worship can be kneeling in silence. It can be being an example in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. So here's the words that I picked. I picked lifestyle, 
Okay. For me, worship is not just, again, music or singing. It's using your gift, whatever that is, mm. to bring honor and praise to God. I love so that. it's our lives, our journey, mm-hmm. following Christ, and then saying, hey, I want to be an example so that I can show you Christ. So yes. lifestyle. Okay. Open-hearted. Ooh. When I'm singing, if I don't know the, what the words mean, <laughs> like if I can't mean them, right? I don't want to sing it because there's a connection that happens. I think that's where the authentic part comes from. Yes. Or just being passionate. When you can know the words and you know what they mean and you're not just singing lyrics on a page right but you really mean them to me that's what open-hearted looks like it's the mentality and the act of being open to receive what God wants to do so first of all being open to what God wants to do inside of you right being open-hearted for that yeah but then also being open hearted, open-minded to allow God then to in turn allow you to lead others. So it's twofold. Right. Right. I love that. And then I put relationship Um, because without that, how can we stand up there and worship and be one way on stage and then not be living that out? I mean, I'm not saying that I've gotten every single day right there are obviously seasons in our life where we struggle with certain things maybe God has shown us an area that we need to work on and in in general we cannot live authentically and represent Jesus in the way that he deserves to be worshiped Mm -hmm. and represented unless unless we are in relationship with him for instance our spouse If somebody asks me about Scott, I don't have to make up something or try to think, like, give me a minute to think about that. Like, I can tell you immediately what he likes, what he doesn't like, because I'm in relationship with him. That is how I believe that our relationship looks with with Jesus. He is our king. He's our father. He's our savior. And I want to use my talents for him. I want him to be pleased and, and I want to honor him in a way that he deserves because of this sacrifice that, that he made. Mm. So those were the three, three words love that I chose. So do you have any main music influences in your life? Y'all so are like 80s babies, right? We Y'all are 80s babies. <laughs> and I, but see, my first passion mm-hmm. was black gospel. Oh, wow. When I went to South Carolina Bible College, they allowed me to join a, a black gospel choir. They allowed me I to be a member that. of a black gospel choir. There's something so passionate about that music mm-hmm. that it just really spoke to my soul. Yes. And I think a lot of my influence musically and stylistically originated from that because that style, the gospel um, style, just that you know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Just, mm-hmm. I love singing with all my guts. Well, and, and I feel like passionate for me, whenever you say that, <laughs> I feel like currently now we can see that with people like Maverick City Music. Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's so powerful. It is. It is, but not always was that the case. Right. Right. And so years ago when I started this journey and moved out to South Carolina, so I think that was in the beginning of the nineties, some of that style that we're hearing now, you know, it was just in the beginning right. stages of some of that. I even remember being at one church and God was doing something inside of me. You know how now when we're in worship and people just vamp, they're not really singing something that's scripted. 
They're just singing something from the heart. Mm -hmm. I remember the very beginning stages when I would be standing in a circle with fellow singers and musicians and we would be praying and I would have a song in my heart right then that God wanted me to sing in front of everybody. I was, I was like, what? Were you terrified at first? I was terrified. I was terrified because it wasn't something that anybody was doing. I would have the desire to break out of that and Mm. vamp, which now we know, but something that God would put in my heart, it wasn't received. In fact, Ah. this one church, I was told, no, don't do that. You know, I went to them and said, this is what I'm feeling. What am I going to do with this? Like, there's something with this. But right. so it was just something I knew that the, the Holy Spirit had put in my heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no, this is not the church for that. And I mean, they were wonderful wow. people, but it sure. just didn't fit right. the vision of that church. And so I had a relationship with, with some of the pastors on staff. And, and eventually they sent me to a church in Orlando. That's how I got to Orlando. Oh, wow. And when I walked in the back door, just visiting for the first time, this is no joke. They were on stage doing exactly what I had been trying to do, what God put in my heart. And they were all doing it. Wow. And I just wept because you knew I knew I had not heard it. It was the first time that I had seen that and Mm. God doing that move. So, yeah, where where my where my where my roots started and the, the passion that I have that but how God also is always changing Mm -hmm. and moving and flowing that's so true I see you so much more than a worship and production leader you are striving to make discipleship within the worship and production team a priority what are some things that you're doing to help grow your team to strengthen and challenge them in their walk with Christ working with the people that I trust and I love number one in getting myself healthy Mm. There's so much to that. There's so much to that. I definitely started this process in my 40s, but I would say that it wasn't until I hit 50 that I really recognized the need for some healing from some of the trauma that I experienced when I was younger. Okay. For some of the reasons that I gravitated to music, which became my salvation, but also became a crutch. Mm. And now I'm having to untangle those things. So it was wonderful that I had music and singing but I gravitated to it so much that some of those areas that I needed healing in I never I froze in time Mm. as a 15 year old and the trauma and things that I had I never healed and so it wasn't until in my 40s and really not until in my 50s the ways I do that is um, I work with a coach on a regular basis who's helping me to be healthy, Mm -hmm. um, to be confident in who God's called me to be, just mentally and spiritually getting healthy, even the aging process. Right. There are people that are in every seasons of life. And here, Tracy, here's what I really, really felt in my heart this morning as I was praying for this podcast. There are people listening, and you're in a season of your life where you feel like God can't use you Hmm. or won't. And I just want to encourage you and say that, God has a desire to give us a purpose every season of your life. So regardless of how young you are, Mm -hmm. and maybe you're 100, in some capacity, does what that look like changes? Of course. Sure. Our bodies change. My voice fails me sometimes. Right. But as I become more seasoned and I have experience and wisdom, then there's always something 
God, God is always doing a work in us in this journey. So I believe from the time that we're born until we take our last breath, mm. it's, it's a process right. and he's doing a work inside of us and trying to move in us and, and to instill that purpose, that confidence. Like I've called you, you have value, you have worth. Right, right. And just for whoever might be listening that just feels like they, they don't have any value. Just know that regardless of where you are, regardless of your age, maybe your disability, maybe what's going on in, in your life and your family, what, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what those things are. God has a plan and a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe he causes those things in our life, but I believe he absolutely can use those things in our life. And around that, you just pray and you ask God to open up doors for opportunities and he'll, he'll do that, but we have to kind of be listening and Right. And be aware and of open that. To yeah. That. And be and being open to that. And let's see. So I know you on a personal level. So I know that as social as your job seems to be, you really are an introvert, right? I am. And you recharge best by yourself. <laughs> I do. So in a position where you're surrounded by so many people wanting and needing you, how do you blow off steam and relax? Here's the key answer for me. Okay, I'm listening. You ready? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. It's a real tough thing. Okay. Naps. You <laughs> take naps? I take naps. I love that. I take naps. So I've learned about myself over the years yeah. that I'm, in, and it's different for everybody. Everybody recharges sure, yeah. different. And I just have to shut my brain off. Mm. So on a Sunday, it can be emotionally very draining and taxing. Sure. Scott and I go home and... It's like nap or food, which is more important. Which one are we going to do which first? Which one do we want to do? Because some days it's just nap and we'll eat later. Let's just yeah. worry about that later. And I love games. Scott and I enjoy cards and driving around and date night and oh, shopping that. and, you know, just trying to turn off our brains yes. long enough so that we can replenish. So there's always something I'm into that right. kind of helps me to, to shut my brain off. That's something that's been on my heart for a really long time in being friends with people who are so involved in ministry is like how how do you do everyday life and not feel like you are just constantly pouring into others you know well it's a part of it right it's kind of like I think it's about balance yeah you don't know these things as much when you're younger you don't realize the importance Mm. of setting that balance in your life and realizing when you need to say no And having those boundaries. Yeah, and having boundaries, just taking the time that you need for you. Right. And learning how to balance that and being okay to say no. Yes. It is hard as a pastor's wife because I feel like in my past, for sure, I would live to please other people. Sure. And for people's approval. And so me saying no, oh, my goodness, how how in the world could I do that and not upset somebody? But now I know it's it's healthy, learning to balance and, and when to say no and, I love that. and when not to. Yeah. Yeah. So while you are known by most as a worship leader, you also have a heart for missions. And your first experience with local missions you mentioned was during college in 93. And then you a- attended your first international missions trip to Moscow. Russia? I, I did. My very first one was to Mo- in Moscow, Russia, to Moscow, Russia, right after the wall went down. We went over in 1993 wow. and we got to help spread the word in schools. We had a leader of the team was just bold. 
and would just walk into the schools and take the interpreter and ask if we could go and share. And we had songs and dances Mm -hmm. and testimonies and things like that with the interpreter. We just waltzed right into schools and would share the gospel. And every child would raise their hand and accept Jesus. It was, and that's when I kind of got the bug. I was going to say, was that where you developed like a love for helping vulnerable children? Is that kind of, it was, it, God calls us to, to love the orphans Mm -hmm. and to minister to them and to the widows. But that idea of the helpless, those that are, are vulnerable Mm -hmm. and that it's a part of our responsibility as Christians to take care of them and to Mm -hmm. do everything we can. And missions is important. It's important part of our faith, whether that's done locally Mm -hmm. or nationally or internationally in whatever capacity. I believe that God's called us all to do that. So I see that you're now on the board for a nonprofit organization, Project Hope Worldwide. Yes. And they provide refuge and restore hope to the world's most vulnerable children. They believe that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Mm-hmm. How did you get plugged in? I love that you did your homework. I did that my was homework. So good, Therese. right? Uh, but that, and while you yeah. provide the holistic care and yes. everything to the children, that's not even the right. well because it's body, soul, and spirit. It's okay. it's all it's all of that. You right. know, um, my passion for Nicaragua started when a friend a year and a half, two years ago, maybe invited me on my first mission trip there. Okay. I mean, I fell in love immediately. We go to the facility there where they're educated, they're fed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can't not, I mean, there's like 86 something kids and it was just an incredible experience, but it wasn't really until my second time going back that I felt a real tug that that was to do something more. Yeah. You know, I've always had a heart for missions when God presents an opportunity mm-hmm. and I just felt like that was an open door for God saying, okay, you're, you're asking me, you're praying about the seasons of your life and what else it is other than singing that you can pour your heart into soul in. And this is one of those things. And then, but then wanted to go beyond that. Didn't know how, had been praying about it when they invited me to sit on the board of trustees at Project Hope. And so I just said, yes, I've never even sat on a board before. So I was like, "Uh, yes, but now tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Project Hope Worldwide is an incredible Christian organization. Their three facilities right now are in Mexico, Uganda, and Nicaragua. Okay. So I plan on... Uh, definitely going to Nicaragua every year. And then I hope to mix in Mexico and Uganda at some point along the way. ProjectHopeWorldwide.org. Yes. For those that might want some information. I'll put that in the comments for sure. Um, I'm so thankful that you made the time to come and visit with me today. You have made such an impact in my life spiritually, my ability to challenge myself musically and in worship. I often think of worship leading as pastoring people through music, and I wanted to speak about some qualities that have made an impact for me. Your love for worshiping Jesus is so easily seen. It's never over the top, but your ability to let the congregation and people around you see your love is so evident. Your commitment to being a functioning and continuously growing disciple And pressing into discipling those around you is like a light that you can tell is spirit-led 
and so needed in the church today. I also love that you help provide a balance between hanging on to the tried and true ways of worship, but helping to lead and continue developing fresh new ways of worship and always welcoming everyone. You are a friend, a pastor, and encouragement in my life and in our community. Please hear what you say and what you do and how you are living your life is pointing others to Jesus in our community. And I'm so grateful for all of these things, and I know our community is better because you are in it. And I just love you. (laughs) I love you. You're going to make me cry. I love you, too. Thank you so much for saying that. You are very inspiring, (laughs) very encouraging. (laughs) Thank you for doing what you're doing. It can be scary. I don't care what it is that God's called you to. It's never easy. We make sacrifices, and when God calls us to do something, Mm. Mm -hmm. it's step at a a time, inviting God to say, oh, you know what, and I really need you, (laughs) and I don't know the next step to take, but I want to be open for whatever that is, Mm -hmm. and I'll be obedient in that, and then just... Just baby steps. Yes, steps along the way. Just baby steps, but thank you. So to close out today, I would love to know of something that someone said or did for you that impacted you in a way that changed the trajectory of your life. One of my greatest mentors, the pastor's family, the Smiths, pretty much took me in. They Mm. knew that I had a desire to do worship, but also that I was called to do it. They could see that. I knew nothing. I mean, I, I, I knew it was in my heart and I, I I had the talent to sing, but not worship. Like I didn't know a lot about worship Mm -hmm. itself. And so they really took me in. Um, I call her grand Jan. Okay. And she is just an amazing woman who poured her entire soul to what it means to look and live like Jesus. Mm. So I had a really great example of really learning what does it mean to lead worship, but what does it mean to actually live that way? And so, yeah, she was definitely, I don't, I don't remember one specific thing necessarily right. that was said other than them handing me a mic and believing in me for that. I'm grateful for sure. all of those people like that, that poured in, into my life. Well, I thank you again so much for thank coming you for having this me this was, was fun so nice <laughs> um but i look forward to having you back again thank you trace i love you so much thanks for having me thank you so much for joining us here at ignite impact i hope that you can see that the people that will be on this show have certainly made an impact in my life and i cannot wait to hear how they are making an impact in your life as well i hope you have time to join us next time Until then.